If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Just before we get started with the podcast, I just wanted to let you know about our free Early Excellence Room Planning Service. If refurbishing your classroom is a high priority for you this year, then really our service is just for you. And we can come to your school or we can work uh, remotely with you. And we will create a, a design for your classroom space. So thinking carefully about the positioning of the furniture and making sure that each of those areas earns its place within the room. We'll work with you and your team to support and discuss with you the key thinking around creating a really inspiring learning environment and we'll help you get the most out of your indoor or your outdoor spaces. Um, if you want to know more about the service, um, do get in touch with us. Uh, so my email address is just andy at earlyexcellence.com. You can get in touch with me or there's lots of information about it on the Early Excellence website. Hello everybody, Andy here. Welcome along to episode 20 of the Early Excellence podcast. This week on the podcast, we're thinking all about our use of colour in the EYFS. Sometimes I think we get a bit sidetracked by colour. The idea of using bright colours for backing and borders and all of that sort of thing. I think sometimes it can be quite a distraction if we're not careful. I also think, I don't know how you feel about this, I also think that it doesn't necessarily lead to the best learning opportunities. I think sometimes we get distracted by matching colours and sorting in colours when actually sometimes the better learning opportunities are elsewhere. For example, in the construction area, it's quite a common thing that people will sort their construction kits into different coloured component parts. So you might have one box that has all of the blue Duplo or blue Lego in it. You might have another box that has all of the red Duplo in it. Another box that has all of the yellow Duplo in it and so on. And yet actually, does that lead to, will that lead to the best learning opportunities? To me, that's, it's too simplistic. Actually, I think there are far more learning opportunities to be had if actually we're sorting out those construction materials, not by colour, but by size and shape of the pieces. Because children generally don't build by, by using colour. They don't tend to build a model that's all red or all green, so they're not necessarily looking for one particular coloured shape. Instead, what they tend to do is build by shape, looking for size and shape of pieces. So if we are sorting our resources in and organizing them into different sizes and shapes and making sure they're labeled as such, actually we've got that opportunity for children to really think about size and shape as they're accessing and as they're putting materials away. Okay, so as part of this podcast episode, what we're going to do is we're going to think carefully about our use of color. We're going to think carefully about brightly colored display boards and uh, our use of materials uh, that are brightly coloured across our room. So in this week's recorded piece, we're going to explore our relationship with bright primary colours in the EYFS. And we're also going to explore alternative approaches, which could be more effective. 
I'll be back at the end of this recorded piece with some key questions for you to consider about your practice. Just before you reach for yet another brightly coloured roll of paper or border to cover your classroom walls and display boards, stop. Let's just pause and think for a minute. By beginning displays in this way, what is it that we're adding? What's the purpose behind our choices? Somewhere along the line, we've slipped into assuming that brightly coloured paper should be used in earlier settings because it's eye-catching. It's cheery and fun, and this is what young children need. Like brightly coloured sweets, party balloons and games apps, it's what children are used to, and we have to compete for our children's attention in a race to be bigger, brighter and more colourful. A large body of research, however, suggests that too much colour can provide a sensory overload for our children creating an environment where they're less likely to be highly involved and more likely to be distracted. In the worst cases, an overstimulating, brightly coloured classroom can lead to unsettled children and issues around behaviour. So, what's the answer? Well, if you really want to show that you value and celebrate what the children in your setting do, then think about using natural, muted colours and materials as part of the environment and displays. Use neutrally coloured backing paper or fabric. Exploring the use of neutral colours and natural materials as part of storage for resources can have a similarly powerful impact. Resources such as construction materials can often seem lost amongst a mix of brightly coloured gleaming plastic storage. It may be that you use coloured containers to support the maintaining of your environment for your young children. So blue plastic trays in the water area, for example. If so, aim for one single colour in a given area and try to be consistent with that. Neutral, pale coloured containers alongside wood or woven baskets mean that the resources become the most eye-catching and therefore seem more valued. Alongside this, the different shades, shapes, sizes, textures and patterns provided by basket storage create a depth of learning opportunities that uniformly sized coloured boxes can't really compete with. Also, think about the sources of light within your setting too. How much variety and interest do the light sources in your setting provide? I'm constantly amazed by the lack of natural light that we let into our learning environments. I've seen blinds that are constantly closed or even windows that have been painted over by practitioners. It's very difficult to ignite fascination and curiosity under a strip light, I always find. Ever-changing natural light, casting shadows and creating shimmering reflections on the wall near the water tray is very difficult to beat. Alongside this, consider how the use of light sources such as light trays, lamps and overhead projectors can add value, enhance experiences and offer new perspectives. In order for all of this to work, you'll need a consistent approach across your classroom or setting. So when we think about 
use of, use of neutral, neutral colours. One neutral area amidst the bright colours in other areas, if we're not careful, will just seem plain. So you really have to go for it and do the whole lot, I think. So you'll have to trust me, as at first sight, it might look plain and drab compared to the riot and colour that perhaps you've previously had in place. But stick with it. And you'll find that when you start to display Jordan's work, their paintings and experiences on photographs will seem even more full of life and more vibrant than ever because they'll stand out more. They won't be overshadowed by bright coloured backgrounds and borders. And if we're looking to really celebrate children's work and children's learning, what better way to do it than that, to have their work really stand out? Okay, so lots to think about there, lots to consider. Um, I've put together a set of key questions for you to think about and maybe discuss. So you might want to consider this by yourself or you might want to consider these with your team and to, to use them as a starting point for discussions. So let's consider then in your classroom. Do the resources and the photos and the children's work that you display perhaps, do they stand out? Do they stand out? So when you're standing there in your classroom and you look around you, look around at your displays, think about the resources and the materials that the children access, do they stand out? What takes center stage in your classroom? Or is it, are those things lost? Is the children's work lost in amongst all of the different colored items around the room? Certainly something to think about, something that I think we can become quite blind to if we're not careful. So well worth trying to look at your room with a new pair of eyes in that respect. Okay, what else? Well, as you were listening to that recorded piece, I don't know about you, but it certainly made me start to think about, um, about that idea of, of displays themselves and how we put displays together. So yes, of course, think carefully about your use of color and your use of brightly colored backing and brightly colored boards and whether we actually need them. But also think widely, more widely, about how you put displays together and the process of recording and celebrating children's work within displays. So key questions, do your displays celebrate the work that the children do when they're working independently? The reason that I ask this is that I think it's quite a common thing for many of our displays to focus on the work that we do with the children in a directed context. And we don't, we often don't celebrate enough the work that goes on independently. And yet that actually provides a rich context for learning. So we need to be celebrating it. Alongside that, in fact, linked to that, when you think about your displays, when you look around your room and you look at your displays, do your displays celebrate the learning process? Again, the reason that I ask this is that I often find that displays celebrate the fact that we finished something, that we've done something, that we've got to the end of it, that there's a piece of writing that is finished or a painting that is finished and so on. And that's great to celebrate that something is finished, it's that we've seen it through to the end. However, it's the process that we take along that journey 
to getting to the point where it's finished. It's that that provides the learning process, isn't it? So for me, the most effective displays don't just have the end product on, the finished piece of writing, the finished painting and the finished model, but actually they have photographs and questions and moments when we've been problem solving and working things out, moments when we've had to collaborate and think about things and share ideas. It's all of that that I think we really need to be celebrating as part of display. And alongside that, have you thought about whether your children can display their own work? This works particularly well in certain areas. So for example, in the writing area, when children are having a go at writing for their own purposes, for their own meaningful purposes, making lists perhaps, making a card, making an, uh, putting together a party invite or whatever it might be. When children are doing that, can they display their own work in that space? Okay, so certain things for you to think about and discuss as a team. I hope you found this week's episode useful. If you've got any questions, then do please get in touch. That's absolutely fine. My email address is just andy at earlyexcellence.com and uh, we'll see you next week. All right, have a good week, everybody. Mm-hmm.